Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Welcome back. Afternoon drive. Goodman Mason. Watch us. MileHighSports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Mace Denver at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to RMFP.com. It is dinner time. What you thinking? I love great barbecues. As a matter of fact, I like the best barbecue in town. I like to go to the best places. That's why I go to Smoking Dave's Barbecue and Brew in North Denver. Love their slowly smoked ribs, slowly smoked brisket. Uh, their chicken wings are fantastic. Smoked corned beef. Reuben, I've had that too many times to count. Love that smoked meatloaf with the balsamic mushroom glaze. That's fantastic as well. Their mac and cheese, their baked beans, and I don't even eat baked beans, but I love them because they have pork and brisket in them. Does it sound like I've pretty much had everything on the menu? Yes, yes. Because it's so unbelievably good, and their desserts, outrageously good. You could just go in for dessert. Their bread pudding, the best I have ever had. Smoking Dave's Barbecue and Brew. You can find them in North Denver. You can also find them in Estes Park and Thornton. When you're driving up to Estes Park, you can find them in Lines as well. Go to Smoking Dave's Barbecue and Brew. Time now for the lead. The lead is presented by Smoking Dave's Barbecue and Brew, Colorado's best barbecue since 2007. Get some tonight in Denver, Longmont, Lions, and Estes Park. All right, so just how good can the Broncos offense be this upcoming season? According to NFL Network's Peter Schrager and our old friend Emmanuel Sanders, who is a guest on Good Morning Football, both of them believe the Broncos offense can be top five in the NFL. I feel like we're getting a version of Russell Wilson that we haven't seen in a couple years. I think he's going to be motivated. He's going to be ready to show the rest of the league that he still is one of those top five guys. And I also think that they've got a bunch of budding players that haven't had the opportunity to show what they've got. When you start talking about a Jerry Judy who went in the draft before Justin Jefferson and before Debo Samuel and before all these guys, he's never had a not only a quarterback of Russell Wilson's caliber, he's never had an offensive play caller of Nathaniel Hackett's caliber. These last few years, watching the Denver offense, it feels like we've been watching a team from the 1990s. And and suddenly you get Hackett, who's this innovative uh, combination of the West Coast offense, but also the Shanahan tree, now that he's been working with LaFleur for two years. I'm excited to see Jerry Judy, and I'm excited to see Tim Patrick. I I really think this this Denver pass-catching unit has been just ready to explode, and they haven't had the opportunity because they've had a quarterback who's not up to the level of others, and then also an offensive play caller, an offensive Mm -hmm. system that just hasn't really matched 20 2021-2022. I'm excited for my guys. Uh, I worked out with Jerry Judy. I live in Denver still. Uh, I know Cortland Sutton. Me and him pretty much grew up 10 minutes from each other. SMU I, guy, right? Mm-hmm. SMU guy. And I know Tim Patrick. Uh, Tim Patrick was a, was a dynamic playmaker that I been knew was going to explode onto the scene, but nobody knew about him. I, I knew in training camp when I was at, in Denver. And so I'm excited for these guys. They finally got a quarterback. Denver finally has a Super Bowl winning quarterback. And I know the, the, the city feels that. I went into Dick's to get my son some stuff. His Russell Wilson jerseys Is there everywhere. Yeah. It's flooded in Denver. You know what I mean? So they're excited about it. And I'm, I'm, I'm excited for them. Uh, I think it's going to be interesting to see. Like, can Denver get over that hump. They've been saying, 
you know what, we, we just need one qu- – we need a quarterback. We need a quarterback. Now they finally have a quarterback, so let's see if we can win another Super Bowl in Denver. And so I'm excited for Cortland Sutton as well. You want to talk about a player like a DK-type player, fast, mm-hmm. physical, big, strong, and, and I feel like he can have a Pro Bowl-type year, kind of be like that DK Metcalf for Russell. Your receiver's a dependent position, and the right mm-hmm. quarterback can make the receivers better. Although I'll say this, for example, when Manuel Sanders hearing his voice – you don't have to look very far to recall him having a thousand yard season with Trevor Simeon's running the ball. So, okay. well, here I, I go back to this more than a few times, and I'm going to actually put some numbers to it. In 2011, Eric Decker played 16 games, had 44 catches, 612 yards. Demarius Thomas, I understand, only played in 11 games, and caught 70 passes, excuse me, uh, 32 passes for 551 yards. Those are pedestrian numbers at best for any NFL wide receiver. Julius Thomas played in five games, made one catch for five yards. Now let's see what happened when they got a real quarterback in there in Peyton Manning. Demarius Thomas, 94 catches over 1,400 yards. Eric Decker, 85 catches over 1,000 yards. And when you look at um, uh, Julius Thomas, he's not even on the sheet. Well, Julius Thomas didn't play much in 2012. There you go. Peyton Manning's first season because he was still dealing with the after effects of that uh, that ankle injury that he had as a rookie that Point derailed is. him point is you have a great quarterback you might have 2,000 yard wide receivers you have Tebow and Orton you have two guys who look marginal statistically but you know they have talent yes and that's the difference with a Russell Wilson as opposed to what they had last year in Locke and Teddy Bridgewater right and that's why I believe there is so much optimism because we know the talent is there. It's kind of like, you know, I love my analogies. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a great chef who is given ingredients that are not very good, and they're asked to make a five-star dish with spam as their main ingredient. You can do it, but it's not going to be that great. And and you also have, let's see, you have canned oysters that you get to work with, spam, and... Uh, Five-day-old five day old Broccoli Rob. That's what you're working with. That's who the quarterbacks were last year when you compare them to Russell Wilson. And now you are walking into one of the best supermarkets in the country, one of the best in the country, and you get to pick the best ingredients to work with. Why would you pick up a pair of scissors, and why are you pointing them at me? I'm not pointing them at you right now. I just I'm like, oh. You I just wanted want, something to touch? I just want something to I'll reach my out hand. my hand. Touch my hand. No, I'm not going to do that. Sometimes it sometimes it helps me think. Scissors or just holding anything. Would you like a pen? No, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. My water bottle. No, I've got my I've got my water thing here. I give you something you can hold on to. Anyway. You just don't hold on to mine. Hey, easy, easy. Anyway, I'm putting them down now. Are you happy? I need two hands. I actually think an intro a more interesting comparison is to say that Russell Wilson is a five star chef who's walking in. He's got great ingredients with the receivers. He does. Whereas. Last year, let's say by comparison, you had, uh, and even the year before and the year before that, you had quarterbacks with the culinary skills of a nine-year-old. 
working with a kid's cookbook. You're betting on the come with Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick. Sutton's already been a pro bowler. though. He He's has. Already, he, had a, he had a very good season in the pro bowl in a year when he had Joe Flacco, Brandon Allen, and Drew Locke throwing in passes. Mm-hmm. So he's already shown the flashes. Tim Patrick, I think Tim Patrick is is the type of guy that he's going to put up production no matter who his quarterback is because he's going to be that kind of safety valve, right? That guy, that guy who's going to run the slant on third and eight and be there for you to get 10 yards and move the chains. And doesn't drop the ball. That's very, that's very true. He's reliable. I mean, really, I think the wild cards in this are Oak Wabunam and Judy. Can Oak Wabunam be what Julius Thomas was? Certainly, their blocking skills are about the same. Yeah. Okay. I mean, there's a lot, there are actually a lot of parallels between Albert O and Julius Thomas in terms of their skill sets. I, I think people in Denver love hearing Schrager and Emmanuel say this could be a top five offense, but you know what? You can make the case the Broncos might only have the fourth best offense in their own division. Yeah. In their own division. Because mm-hmm. right now, you're taking the Chiefs because you have Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. Justin Herbert is Justin Herbert, and he's got some. He's got some talent around him. And then, of course, we know what the Raiders are loaded with. Russell Wilson, to me, is the second-best quarterback in the league because of... In the division. Yes, because he knows how to win. And you know what? Justin Herbert doesn't know how to do that yet. You know why I say that? Because he hasn't. Derek Carr probably knows how to win more than Justin Herbert. You're probably right. In terms of the skill set, right? You can make the case the Broncos have the fourth-best offense from an outsider's perspective, because we haven't seen right. what Patrick can truly do. He led the team in, wide, in, in, in receptions a couple of years ago. That's because Cortland Sutton was out. Jerry mm-hmm. Judy was a rookie. KJ Hamler was a rookie. Last year, so again, you're batting on the top. Last him in receiving touchdowns, Tim Patrick. Well, that's, that's because Judy didn't have any. And then Cortland Sutton only had two. Right. I mean, one thing that I think is going to be fascinating to watch is we know how Russell Wilson likes to go deep. Cortland Sutton's a nine-ball receiver, and I'm fat. That I'm actually sometimes when I think about it, I'm more fascinated to see what Sutton does with with uh, Russell Wilson than anybody else. Because I'm not. Why? Because Russ. I'll, I'll pick somebody. Else. Russ likes to go deep. You know who I want to see on the field more than anybody? Who? KJ Hamler. That dude's got to stay healthy. Best ability is availability. He hasn't shown that he, he has t- that. He told me he believes, and I'm not going to disagree, he believes he could do what Lockett did in Seattle if he can stay healthy. That's the big thing. And I think, I think I'm with we'll, you. I think we'll get a glimpse at that, but how many times over the years have we heard bold proclamations from players about what is to come and then it falls short. I'm I understand the injuries. Yeah. Show who's the, me, show who's me the best who's the best deep ball threat on this team when everybody's healthy? It's KJ Hamler. I'd say Cortland Sutton's more proven at that than KJ Hamler. Cortland Sutton's a better wide receiver than Tyreek Hill, but I take Tyreek Hill because of They're his different speed. kind of deep ball threats. KJ Hamler is the speed threat. Cortland Sutton is he is he gets deep and you can throw it up to him. And even if he's got tight coverage, he he's has a good chance to win the game. He's a ball. jump ball guy, but he doesn't get the type of separation that KJ Hamler gets, that Hill gets. And Sutton also that, has that better Lockett hands. Gets. Sutton also has better hands. There's no KJ Hamler has a has a high drop rate. I mean, you know I, I think the thing Tyreek Hill doesn't have a, doesn't doesn't have great hands. 
is he dropping one every of, of every five or six passes thrown that are thrown on target? I don't know what he did in his first couple of years. We'd have to look that up. But remember, what matters is what they're doing right now. No question. All right, coming up after the break, Rockies start the season on Friday. Russell Wilson's going to be throwing out the first pitch. We'll talk about Wilson throwing out the first pitch at about 5.30. But next, Jeff Houston, one of the voice of the Rockies, joins us next. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive. Goodman Mason. Watch us. MyLifeSports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Mace Denver at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to RMFP.com. In the meantime, I want to tell you about my guy, Eric Cook at Farmers Insurance. I've worked with Eric for well over five years. He does my health insurance, my auto my home. He's about to do my life insurance as well. I honestly trust him with everything and you should as well. So many great things about working with Eric Cook and the Cook Insurance Group. They have over 70 years of experience, but what makes them special is they stay on everything. So every year they call you to make sure you have the type of coverage that you need. When the Marshall fires happened, A lot of people didn't have the right coverage. Why? Because insurance agents, they take you for granted. They want to collect their commission check. They don't check in every year. And a lot of people wound up not being covered the way they should have been. If Eric Cook covered every single person with the Marshall fires, they would have been fully covered. That's why you want to work with him and his staff. They're going to ask you the right questions to get you the right policy. Call today, 303-790-8089, 303-790-8089. Time now for The Buzz. The Buzz is presented by Eric Cook at Farmers Insurance. The Cook Insurance Group, focused on people, not policies. Call today at 303-790-8089. That's 303-790-8089. All right, let's go out to the hotline. I want to bring in our friend Jeff Houston, longtime Major League Baseball player. Of course, he's one of the voices of the Rockies on AT&T Sportsnet. How are you, Huey? I'm doing great. Just got back from Arizona late last night and home for a couple days before opening day on Friday. When you played, I'm sure opening day was a very big deal. By game 110, you were probably thinking, I can need a, I probably need a break. But opening day for baseball players is a big thing. Is it a big deal for broadcasters as well? Yeah, I think so. I mean, not as big as when I was playing and you knew you made the team and you got all those perks and everything like that. But it is still a special day. It, it holds a special meaning for me because baseball has been in my blood. This is my... What, 37th year in professional baseball, 17 covering the Rockies. So it still is so much fun. I, I Honestly, two days away, I already got my suit, my tie, my, my shirt all ironed. Everything's ready to go. You only have one? With just one suit, I just rotate it every day. Oh, that's what I thought. If you, <laughs> if you only own one suit, I would recommend you ask for a raise. 
I've got more than that, but I have the one picked out for Friday, all ready to go. All right. So you've been a part and cover of and have covered opening days probably in many different places. Why is Colorado's opening day special compared to others around baseball? Well, I think uh, a lot of it has to do what happens outside the ballpark as well um, and, and all the area and all the bars right there. Uh, I mean, yeah, Wrigley Field has all that too, and that's pretty special. Uh, I, I, I guess it's just the ambiance of being there, the flyover. I like the way they uh, put the purple line right in front of uh, Blake there, or, or 20th. Um, no, actually, Blake. So it, it's really cool that they do all that. But I just like when, I, when I'm walking in or when I get there in the ballpark, I'll probably get there uh, on Friday around uh, 9.45, 10 o'clock. It, the place, it's already jumping. It's like a national holiday. And I think every opening day should be a national holiday. We are talking with uh, Jeff Houston. You can listen to him and watch him with our good friend Drew Goodman on uh, AT&T Sportsnet. Of course, he does the games with Ryan Spielborgs and Corey Sullivan as well. And um, I am missing, oh gosh, and she is so stinking good. Uh, Jenny Kavner, my bad. I don't know why I always think Alana Rizzo. She was great too. With that, when you played, the Rockies were already in existence. So when you were playing, if somebody would have told you in 1993 that in 2022, the strength of the Rockies would be their starting pitching. How hard would you have laughed? Well, it would have probably been a, a pretty good chuckle to start with, for sure, because that, uh, you know, it's never really been synonymous. They've had a few years here and there, but with this group, the way they've really come up through the minor leagues together, and, and I kind of throw Herman into that, too, because he came over as a pup in that trade. Um, so I, I look at all these guys, they, they're veteran guys now, but they're still in their mid to late twenties, which is a right where you want to be. Um, so they all have that individual fire in different ways, but, um, that, that that's going to determine a lot of how this season goes for the Rockies, just like every club, you need that starting pitching to kind of set the tone. And then the offense has to do their thing, but it's going to be the guys on the Hill that really, um, help define what this season's about. Where does this rotation for you stack up compared with other recent Rockies rotations? Better, worse, about the same? Or even historically, or even historically. Well, I think historically, overall, uh, I think it's probably at the top. I do look at that rotation in 07 with Francis Cook. But you remember, like, uh, Franklin Morales came in a little bit. He had a ball, though, so... um, you know, those guys all came together. That was, that was a really nice run because you only used, I think it was eight different starting pitchers that year. Um, but I think the first, at least the first four guys in the rotation, uh, we'll see how Chad Cool plays out here, but at least the first four guys in the, in the rotation, you feel like when they go out there, you've really got a chance to win that night. Cause that's how players look at it too. They look at it like, okay, how does my guy stack up against their guy? And for the most part, you can say, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll take my chances here you and i've had this conversation on the phone and i do not for the life of me understand rockies fans who are bashing the signing of chris bryant i only see it as a positive granted the rockies maybe bit against themselves maybe but at the end of the day if he performs specifically at coors field and does what maybe he did four or five years ago and he's always been a pretty good power hitter anyway it's going to be a terrific signing You said you just got back from Arizona. 
with his presence in the clubhouse, an MVP award winner, a guy who has won a World Series, how much of it all has it affected the atmosphere in that locker room? Well, don't forget, too, he also wanted to come here. You know, okay, I'll get granted, you know, maybe the money was better. I don't know. But I just look at what he's done in that locker room with everybody else. I I watch him every day during batting practice, and that's really kind of where you feel like, does this guy have it? Does he belong? Do the guys gravitate to him? And that's the place for me, just watching the interaction with what he has with other guys, the way he kind of will joke with them, and he's just got this presence about him because he has been other places. He's been an MVP. So I think for Chris Bryant and the Rockies, I think it's a great fit. I look for him. You know, you, you kind of hate to put numbers, but I'm going to go ahead and do it right now. He's a 30-plus home run guy. No He's question. 30 to 40 doubles. Um, and at the ballpark, you know, his his career batting average is right around 270. I think it's going to be up to closer to 290. So I, I just think it's really neat that they went out and got somebody like that because it was a pressing need that they needed in the outfield. They needed that, that other veteran guy in the clubhouse to mix in with everybody else. Is this the year that Brendan Rogers finally lives up to the potential that uh, he's had for a while? Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, I, I just say that automatically because, you know, he's hurt a couple years and then last year was hurt a little bit, got off to a slow start. But then once he hit that first home run, it was like, okay, he ended up with 15 home runs. He just looks like a different player in, in spring training now. His body's in great shape. I noticed at second base, I've, I've been impressed with the work he's put in there. Uh, you know, Bud's hit him third the last couple days down in spring training. I don't know if that's where he hits, but if he does, it'd be really nice for him because he's got Charlie and then Chris Bryant hit ahead of him. I think for me, again, I'm going to throw some numbers out there. He's 25 home runs, uh, a bunch of doubles, and he has a chance to be that superstar player that the, the, the prospect label has put on him for so long. I'll tell you what I see all the time and I read all the time. People talking about the signing of Chris Bryant, the trade that they recently made with the Blue Jays, talking about uh, Sensatella and Freeland and Marquez. You know what I haven't seen or heard one thing about? Not one thing. The bullpen, the closer. I haven't read anything in the Denver Post, and I read the Denver Post all the time, about the bullpen. Where is this bullpen at? Well, I think that's the one key right now that Bud really hasn't determined who the closer is going to be. Is, is that okay? Be... Is that okay as a former player? You're going to I... the opener, and you don't know who your guy is? Well, yes and no. I do think that there has to be a closer designated because it's sometimes it's really hard when you go closer by committee because if that phone rings, talking to pitchers, and as a position player too, you've got to have confidence and you know who's coming in and going to be able to close out the game. Uh, it could be Colome, it could be Bard, and maybe even Estevez. I think Estevez is probably a little bit better in the seventh and eighth inning um, and then have those two veteran guys come out. But Bud hasn't said it yet. It'll be interesting. I'm sure that's going to be one of the first questions he has to answer on Friday, or maybe we just find out on Friday who he's going with and then does he roll with them again. Um, but right now, when you look at that bullpen, it you know it got hurt a little bit today with Lucas Gilbreth going on the I.L., um, so you, you replace it with Jordan Sheffield, uh, Justin Lawrence. Those those two guys are coming up. But I I gotta believe you know last year there was some really rough patches. If they're just like steady, they don't have to be great. If they're just steady, it's going to be so much better for the ball club overall. With without Gilbreth, uh, 
where do they turn in the bullpen for a lefty at this point? Well, I, I don't think they would use Ty Block in that situation. I think Ty's still going to be used uh, to to maybe do an inning. He could get a left-hander out if it's you know two outs in the seventh. Um, but I think to get the lefties out, I think it would, he would probably go to Carlos to be able to get that guy. Um, it, it, that's kind of a really an interesting one because. Lucas just threw on Tuesday, and he looked great. He struck out three guys, and didn't, and the velocity was 94. So I was a little surprised today when I when I got that news. Last year, as a team, the Rockies they hit 217 on the road, and that you have to go back decades to see a road team batting average like that. How much can Chris Bryant help that change? And is is that going to be like like one thing that maybe we can look at right away and see if this team is hitting better on the road? That we'll know it's heading in the right direction. Well, they have to. That was that was uh, one of those historically proportionate bad years. You just can't hit 217 and expect to have success out on the road. And I think Chris will bring a little bit of that veteran presence that some guys need. But you also got guys with another year of experience. I'm talking about Ryan McMahon, Brendan Rodgers. I think CJ Crone. Those type of guys will will definitely help. You know, spread it all out. But they they've got to hit. You know. It, but minimum, minimum like 235, 240 out on the road. That would really make a big difference. Okay, it's funny. I think, Mace, you and I should have this conversation another time, but mm-hmm. it just dawned on me as we're talking to Huey. You can make the case that the National League West is as tough, if not tougher, than the AFC West where the Broncos play. But that is a different conversation. What are realistic expectations for the Rockies this year? Well, I think if they climb somewhere in the neighborhood of that 500 mark and maybe go a couple games above, with that extra wild card this year, I think it really opens up a lot more possibilities for a lot of teams. And when you when you look at it, the players are thinking the same thing. They're going, great, this is another opportunity. You're right, though, Abby, with the, with the Dodgers, with the Padres. I, I, the Giants, I don't think, will be quite as good as they were last year. Um, just because they lost a couple starting pitchers, and, and that really hurts them. But it, it's going to be tough. Um, but the thing about it is it goes back to that road uh, woes that we talked about. you got to play a little bit better out of the road, and you got to win probably 50 games at home. And if you do that, they'll put you right where you need to be. I'd ask you what color tie you're wearing on Friday. Or what do you I... think? Purple. And is it is it just a monochromatic purple? Black suit, well, white white shirt. Don't don't you know, don't tell me okay. that you're gonna. I have to wait to see. Come on, give me a break. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a purple shirt with a nice gray suit, nice purple tie, a little gray in the purple in, in the tie. You know, I'm tying it all together now. Doing Is, the best I can. Well, who, well, who does that? You or your wife? My wife. Come that's on, what man. I. That's, <laughs> what, that's what I figured. I I I, I need the. You remember Granimals for kids? That's kind of the way I'm at, especially when we go on the road now. I my uh, my wife is like, okay, pick out all my suits. Does this go with that? And so, then I just lay it in my suitcase like that. So on Friday you have the dinosaur outfit, the purple <laughs> yes. dinosaur outfit. Yes. Right. right? Are your you are go. your boxers going to match? <laughs> uh, my socks might. I won't go as far as my boxers. Do you own purple socks? Uh, a couple pair. You're a good man. Jeff yes, Houston. <laughs> hey, thanks for your time as always. We look forward to uh, listening to you and Drew and the rest of the crew on AT&T Sportsnet on Friday. Enjoy opening day. All right, fellas. Always a pleasure. See you, Huey. Coming up after the break. 
Russell Wilson, he's going to be in the ballpark. He's throwing out the first pitch against the Dodgers. Remember, he used to be a ball player, so he certainly knows how to throw the ball. Yep. So, question for you and Danny coming up after the break. If you could throw out the first pitch, do an opening day coin flip for an NFL game, drop a ceremonial first puck at an NHL game, or do the half-court shot like Rocky, what would you choose? That's next. I say she never cared and that she never will. Yeah, Russell Wilson here, quarterback, Denver Broncos. So yeah, it's, it's exciting. And uh, you know what's also exciting? I think the Colorado Rockies play this weekend, right? I mean, I think it's opening opening day, you know, baseball, Rockies, Dodgers, great game. I guess I got to go to the game, right? I and mean, maybe I'll bring my, my glove. Maybe I'll see you guys there. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive, Goodman, Mason. Watch us at milehighsports.com. You can reach us, Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed. At Mace Denver, at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, not retail but wholesale, go to rmfp.com. Time now for What's Trending. What's Trending is presented by Optimum Golf. Take your game to the next level this offseason at Denver's best indoor virtual facility in the Park Hill and Rhino neighborhoods. Book your tee time today at theoptimumgolf.com. Okay, Russell Wilson throwing out the first pitch for the Rockies opener tomorrow, or not tomorrow, but Friday. No real surprise there. I like how your uh, your guy, Ryan Konensberg, uh, tried to take credit for mentioning it on Twitter. I think everybody thought that was going to happen, but good for him. We all, we all thought it, yes. Yeah, but, but good for him for being out of the gate. He broke some news. Good for him. Special K. I like Ryan a lot, and you yeah. know that. You yeah, know, I'm I know. Just, yeah, I know. Just playing around. Anyway, so if you could throw out the first pitch, do an opening day coin flip at an NFL game, do a ceremonial puck drop for a big NHL game, or do a half-court shot at a Nuggets game like Rocky, what would you choose? If I could get the first pitch over the plate, I'd choose the first pitch. Okay, I would do the half-court shot if I knew I'd make it. Yeah. I'm saying what would you rather do? I think the first pitch would be pretty cool. Danny? Uh, do I have to shoot like Rocky shoots backwards? No, you could shoot up. Oh, okay. You could do a push shot. Well, I think I would still, I think I would do the coin toss for an NFL game. You would? Yeah. Well, I've done the opening pitch, as you know, yeah. for the Cubs and for the White Sox. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of a big deal. And, oh, get, get that drop did ready. Did they give you a commemorative jersey? No. They did not. Oh, I guess that must be just something they started after that. Maybe. Yeah. And they did take me out to the ball game as well at seven yeah. stretch. That was fun. Do too. you have the recording of that? I don't. Oh my gosh. How can you not have that? I wish I had it. I don't oh. I'm sure somehow, some way, somewhere in the archives, I'm sure I could find it. But it's really not that important to me. If it was, I'd probably have it. Yeah. Um would you do the opening pitch if you knew you could not practice? No. 
If I if I was just doing it cold, I wouldn't do it. Because I, I would I would embarrass myself in that. I I, I didn't I, practice. Yeah. I didn't I didn't I didn't even throw baseball before I went on that mound. And by the way, two strikes. Yeah. Did not bounce it. The key to throwing out that first pitch is because you're high up on that mound, you got adrenaline, mm-hmm. you will throw it high and you will force that catcher to stand. Mm-hmm. You got to snap your wrist. But if you snap it too hard, you will one hop it. Yes. To that catcher and you will get booed. I mean Peyton Manning last year one hopped it. Yep. And was wide. I mean wide happens, but you don't you don't want to throw a fifty eight footer there. I think no. that that's that's the key thing. If the catcher has to jump for it, that's okay. Like has to hop up a little bit and get it, or it's it's high, that's fine. You you just don't want a warm burner there. Here's the thing. Don't try to be a major league pitcher. Don't wind up, don't go Louis T on and turn your back to the plate. Mm-hmm. Just toss it. Yeah, it's soft toss. That's what. No, no, they don't have a radar gun behind it. It's okay to do the Ephus pitch. Most people do. Yeah. Now, if you could pick anything in any sport that, in theory, would be ceremonial, what would it be? Or honorary starter at a big golf tournament. Oh, that would be cool. Like I always, I always love how, and we'll see it tomorrow at the Masters. You know, you've. You got the honorary starters that open it up, right? See, I was going to go golf as well, but different. I don't know if you are aware of this. When the media covers the Masters, do you know where I'm going with this? Uh, they pl- the, there's, a, there's a chance for some media yep. to play on Monday. There's a lottery. Yes. And if you win the lottery, you get to play the next day. Mm-hmm. That would be awesome. Yeah. That would be absolutely awesome. Yeah. But I mean, I don't think I'm going to get to be the honorary starter at the Masters because that's reserved for champions. You know who this year's honorary starter is? You're my champion. Oh, thank you. Uh, the honorary starters for the Masters tomorrow are Jack Nicholas, Gary Player, and Tom Watson. Well, those you got three heavy hitters there. Well, aren't those guys usually the starters? Um, Watson was just at a couple months ago. Well, Player and yeah. Nicholas then always do it. Yeah. Right? Nicholas has done it since 2010, players since 2012. Right. Yeah. So why um, why Watson? Who, uh, who did they take out of the mix? Like uh, Lee Trevino? Uh, Lee Elder did it last year. Okay. Um, they only had, they only had after Arnold Palmer, after Arnold Palmer's there you death, go. There you they go. only had Jack Nicholas and Gary Player for the la- from 17 through 20. Then they had Lee Elder last year. And now Tom, they like, you know, I think they like to have three, right? Right. And so, because for years it was Gene Sarazen, although it was Gene Sarazen, Byron Nelson, and Sam Snead for a long time. Yep. And now you've kind of got a similar big three. I, I like I like Tom Watson joining that group, even though, gosh, I mean, I guess time flies. You don't, I, look, him, I, you don't look him as an old guy, do you? No, because I, I don't. It, it was 09 that he near that he pushed to win the British Open, right? He was 59, and he was in contention at the Open. Yeah. And, but that you know, like I said, time flies. I mean, I guess I guess Tom Watson's in his 70s now. I mean, just sneaks up on you. What do we have coming up on just in case you missed it? Chris Paul did something last night that he's done three other times in his career for three different teams. We'll talk about that. We'll also talk about a little change in the MLB offices with Rob Manfred hiring a new special assistant to the commissioner. That's all coming up next right here on Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason on Mile High Sports. With her finger in 
her thumb in the shape of an L on her forehead. Well, the years start coming and they don't stop coming. Fed to the rules and I hit the ground running. Didn't make sense not to live for fun. <laughs> Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive. Goodman, Mason. Watch us at mileisports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mon Forest Products Twitter feed at Mace Denver at Eric Goodman. If you are looking for wholesale lumber to the public, at rmfp.com. Time now for the final word. The final word. Presented by Sasquatch Casino in Blackhawk. Just in case you missed it. Well, last night, the Suns beat the Lakers, knocking them out of the playoffs and getting a new season high in wins for the Phoenix Suns. The 63rd win of the season. This is now the fourth different team that Chris Paul has helped set a franchise win record for. Uh, Now, uh, he did it with the Hornets when they were in New Orleans back in 2008 before they became the Pelicans. The Clippers in 2014. The Rockets in 2018. And now the Suns. Uh, Despite not winning a title, is Chris Paul a top five point guard of all time? Yeah, and I mean, you don't, I mean, this is one of those things where the individual brilliance overshadows the fact that the teams haven't gotten it done. He's been successful everywhere he's been. I think the other thing is you can see it, for example, when he was with Oklahoma City a couple years back, he has elevated everybody around him everywhere he has been. And he continues to do that even though the skills are eroding a little bit. So. By that standard, yeah, I'd say top five all-time point Okay, guard. well, let's go through this real quick then. He's not better than Magic Johnson. No. Is he better than John Stockton? All-time assist league. I mean, they're kind of... They're, they get there and they get to the same spot in different ways. I wouldn't say he's worse than John Stockton. Is he better than Jason Kidd? And and Jason Kidd, to me, is underrated. Even he's, he's underrated, a, but I think Chris Paul is better than Jason Kidd. Jason Kidd is one of the greatest point guards I've ever seen. I watched that kid in high school, and that's how I remember him yeah. as a high school player. Well, he was a, yeah, he was like number one recruit in the country when he went to Cal. Right. Yeah. Uh, you, you can argue for Chris Paul in the top five. Yes. I think so. And I think both Jason Kidd and Chris Paul are uh, somewhat underrated defenders. They've, mm-hmm. they've been pretty oh. solid... Pretty solid defenders through the course of their careers. Tremendous defensive player. Just in case you missed it, six-time All-Star and 2007 AL Cy Young winner CC Sabathia has been hired as a special assistant to Rob Manfred and will serve as vice president of the Players Alliance board to address player relations, social responsibility, and diversity, among other interests. Does bringing in a big-name former player like Sabathia help Manfred endear himself to players or fans? He's got to try something, and uh, CC certainly is a name, with fans especially, that's going to have uh, resonance. I mean, clearly, even though they got a deal 
done ultimately for the CBA, uh, there's a significant disconnect between Rob Manfred and the players, and certainly between Rob Manfred and the, and the fans as well. I don't know if it'll help. I just know it couldn't hurt because it can't get much worse. I agree with that. Manfred needs some help because he's not well-liked by many owners, and he's certainly not well-liked by the players. So I don't know where he hangs his hat, except maybe with Dick Manfred. Yeah. Tough job being a commissioner these days. You're uh, taking fire from all sides. Yep. Just in case you missed it, Hideki Matsuyama's menu for the Champions Dinner last night. For appetizers, he had assorted sushi, sashimi, nigiri, and yakitori chicken skewers. The first course was a miso-glazed black cod. Main course, a Miyazaki wagyu ribeye, wagyu ribeye with mushrooms and vegetables. And for dessert... Japanese strawberry shortcake. Any of those jump out to you as something you wish you could have gotten a taste of uh, from last night's Champions Dinner? That Wagyu ribeye, that specific Wagyu ribeye costs $100 an ounce. I would really like to try that. <laughs> That's where I'd go. I've never had it before. I hear it's great. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the su- I-, I love the sushi and sashimi. I'm all over that. Lo- love seeing that on there. I'm sure the Japanese strawberry shortcake is phenomenal. Um, actually, and just because I like Japanese cuisine in general, I think that that would be a terrific meal. I think going back through some of the master's meals over the years, I think that's the one that's probably my favorite. Tiger Woods, by the way, the first time he won the master's, went with cheeseburgers, grilled chicken sandwiches, french fries, and milkshakes. He he evolved. He, I think his second master's dinner, he had porterhouse and his third Masters dinner, he had porterhouse chicken and sushi. So he kind of upgraded over time. That's some good classic American fare for uh, Tiger's first one. I like that. Yeah. Uh, what would what would be a must-have for your Masters menu if you were one day a champion? And then maybe you could also mm. be in the first group, Mace. That would be awesome, yeah. I, I, if I ever, if, if I took up golf and uh, won the, ma- put the, put the Malcolm Gladwell 10,000 hours rule to the test on it, and uh, I mean, I have to win it in my fifties, and I don't think that's possible given the uh, given how the course rewards uh, long hitters nowadays. But uh, if I ever did win the Masters, I probably I would probably have some sushi rolls. I would um, not also some like some chicken wings, perhaps just you know because a, a fun you know finger food, something with shrimp, lobster, crab cakes, wow. yeah. I, th- I don't think you get think a budget. I think you've covered all of it. I don't think you get a budget on this thing. But then I'd, I'd have to have something for people who are allergic to seafood and fish, right? So I'd probably have to throw in like a, you know, th- throw in maybe like a chicken Kiev or something. A chicken Kiev? I love chicken, yeah. Really? Yeah, I love that. What, what do you want it stuffed with? I just, you know, the, the whatever sauce they put in it. It's the good. whatever sauce they put in it? I don't it? know what it's called. There are different things you could put in a chicken Kia. Okay, well, we'll put a, put a, I don't know. Let's put a sauce in there. Chicken Kia. That, that kind of came out of nowhere. I'd like to surprise you. Are you sure it's not chicken Kiev? I think it's supposed to be chicken Kiev now, by the way. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. I just want to make sure that uh, you are up on your yeah, Ukrainian lingo. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. All right, that's going to do it for us. I, I tell you what I have, but you took all the time over the last minute spilling out everything you've ever eaten in your life. Nolan, great job today. Same with you, Danny. Now I'm hungry, Mace. Good. Make, make it the best possible night you can.